Welcome to the Relief Teachers podcast brought to you by Tradewind Australia. My name's Ian McNally and this podcast is a recording from a live webinar in January 2021 with my colleagues and former principals Billy Green and Terry Toomey. Please refer to the show notes for guidance of how you can record this as part of your professional development hours. I started off this webinar by asking Billy Green why feedback is important and how can it contribute to professional growth. I think the very first thing we have to get around is our attitude toward what's going on. Uh, some of you tuned in a bit would know that I have some consultancy work and I do a lot of training for them and quite often they say to me, uh, oh, we've got some new training coming up. Uh, would you be able to do that? Yes. And I said, yes, well, I'll need to work on. They said, why are you working on, uh, can't you just do the last lot of training that you did? I said, no, um, because that's outdated and I learned things from the last time and we need to update that. And I thought back to my teaching career as well, and I probably taught, I don't know how many times, I taught upper school primary largely, uh, who knows, 25, 30 years of upper school primary, say for example, fractions. I never taught it the same way twice. And the point I guess I'm making there is that we should, we have to as teachers, I think, and the, the point I've had to uh, argue the case with the uh, Department of Transport is, there is this notion of continual improvement. You don't do something once in 2010 and roll it out for the rest of your life. And I think the first thing that you need to get your head around in terms of feedback so that you know it can take the emotion out of it is that we should be on this path of continual improvement. And you can only do that by reflecting. Uh, and these days, if you can get some critical uh, feedback and critical friends to help you out, and we'll talk about how to deal with that in a minute. But I think the very first thing that you've got to get your head around is the why. And the why is because we want to keep improving. And uh, none of us, even uh, even when we started these webinars right back at the very start of COVID, Terry and I were babes in the woods as far as this goes. I didn't even know what a webinar was. But we reflected on our first thing. And in fact, Terry, we remember the first time we did it, we over-rehearsed, didn't we? we? We sort of did all the answers and questions prior to going on. And then we had nothing to say when the camera started. So it's this <laughs> continual thing of always trying to learn. And I think that that's, what the, that's where you've got to get your head around for a start. It's not about being criticised. It's about learning. Yeah, good, good point, Billy. And I think, um, yeah, we were like fish out of water the first time. I think we did that webinar um, in COVID last year, it was, um, you know, a real a stretch for us. And uh, we are, we over-prepared because I think we're that, that sort of people. But then at the end of it, I think we reflected it. And our best reflection was throw all that out the window and, uh, you know, go with what we uh, can do best and know best. And I think, you know, the, what, we, what we've done since then is just continue to grow. Yeah, that's right. So I think, you know, we, we all learn no matter what forum that you're in, you, you should all, and I think as teachers, we've got a, a professional responsibility to set the standard, not just for ourselves or the schools, but even society-wise, to be the ones that are saying, well, you, you know, you can always learn and you can always get better and you can do things better if you learn from them. And so I think that's the, the, that's the very first point. You are not being, you know, you don't want to get whacked and you don't want to get criticised unnecessarily and you certainly don't want... Um, just negative, uh, you want constructive cr criticism for sure, but you've got to roll yourself initially for a start and that's to embrace the fact that by reflecting on your performance and having others help you uh, assess your performance, 
then there's a good chance that you're going to get better and that's what we really should be aiming for. Look, yeah, Billy, you make some good points. The other thing that just came to me um, when I was looking over this session earlier was um, even in the secondary sector in particular, how much teaching has changed since, um, you know, I began as a teacher where it was pretty much a singular pursuit. I know that's probably never been the case quite in primary, but it, but in secondary, you know, you're master of your own domain and you could work in isolation from other teachers. And, you know, I would have done that for the, the, the first uh, 10 to 15 years of, of teaching. Uh, and then I think progressively we've seen a real movement, a positive movement um, towards, you know, working much more collaboratively with teachers in our own teaching area in secondary uh, at the levels that we're teaching in, even with vertical uh, streaming and that sort of thing, linking what we're doing with what's happening at primary in five and six um, and, and seeing yourself more as a member, I think, of an effective teaching team rather than someone that just operates in isolation. And you never, you can never make that transition unless you're prepared to reflect and take on board the feedback that you get. Oh, absolutely. I and mean, that's that's absolutely crucial to those days. So why I say at the start, you know, get your attitude right around the fact, the, the other fact of it is it's going to happen anyway. So, you know, you're going to be expected to be, whether it's um, annual reviews or, um, or just working in your team, there is that expectation that you're going to have to perform to a certain level. And one of the things that's... Uh, uh, become you know and certainly in um and, and and terry like when i started in primary there was a some semblance of team nothing like it is now so perhaps not quite as uh singular as it was in a high school but you pretty well could run your own show as well in a um uh, in a primary school and you'd have those people that sort of ran the one grade for their entire career and had a vertical you know vertical files of what they did on march the 20th every year for the last 40 years that that's gone and and one of the things that's really important in schools these days is a consistency of approach so that you will have um a consistency of not just curriculum content but a consistency of delivery so they'll be expecting you at schools to deliver and teach in a certain way so for example if you're working in, in an open class um uh classroom you will be expected to teach in a way that's um, collaborative and compatible with the, the other members of your team. And that will require you to talk about your performance, talk about what they do. So this whole notion of um, you know, continual improvement, feedback, reflection, that's a really big part of the job now and it's almost impossible to avoid it. So therefore, it's better to embrace it look at how you can um, go about doing it in the best way. And we've got some tips on that today. But certainly the first step in, I think, is to prepare for it and, and, and just think, yep, I can understand why we're doing this. We are going to try to get better. I think just on that note, uh, I think it's a good time just to uh, share the Australian teaching standards on this particular topic. Um, really good idea to familiarize yourself with these. Um, I'll put the link in the chat in a moment. Um, but this is the whole engage in professional learning. But as part of that, uh, identifying and planning what your own professional learning needs is, is so important when you're um, taking feedback because if the feedback is um, specific about something or is more generalized, you need to know how to fit that in to uh, your professional learning plan uh, engaging professional learning and improving your practice um, you see that uh, I don't uh, from your experience um, 
you wouldn't have had these at the start of your career, but now they are mandated, locked in uh, as uh, something that you do every day. Engage with your colleagues and improve practice. So seek and apply constructive feedback from supervisors and teachers to improve teaching practices. So you can see that these this is not an option uh, for teaching. This is mandated and also applying your professional learning and improving, improving student learning as well a really good uh, thing you can do as well is the teacher self-assessment tool on the 8soul website um, and you can see the second point there is self-reflection um, which is a really uh, the point of the session today so um, and just a quick question from uh, Malad uh, Terry just or you use the term vertical streaming um, what can you just explain what vertical streaming is for uh, those people who might not know? Oh, well, look, in a secondary setting, um, you might get a situation in some schools where students, say, from years 8 to 10 in particular, can be in the same classrooms um, in, instead of a cohort going through together, uh, depending on the particular strengths and interests of that cohort, they might be able to choose um, su subjects uh, across the various you know levels some of it'll, it'll be done with guidance from teachers but it it's um it's it's very different than the way um you know the, the teaching was structured when, when when i began that's for sure but there there is the option in, in um you know some schools with i i guess it's sort of a mainstreaming of the elect, uh, elective process we're all used to kids being able to choose electives but um when they can actually choose them say between eight, uh, eight, nine, and ten, and, and move between. Uh, there's a lot more flexibility in the learning for students. Um, Billy, I just want to ask you about feedback. Is um, both a formal and informal process. As a as a teacher, you are getting constant feedback throughout the day from the students. Um, you know whether what you're teaching is engaging or whether it's not, or whether it's hit, hitting the mark or not. Too easy, too hard. Uh, you're getting constant messages back from uh, every student in your class. Um, how how does it differ in terms of you know if you're being observed or if you're if a teacher just pops their head in and has a little chat with you or sees how children are responding? How do we distinguish between the formal feedback that we might write down or might have a process for and the informal feedback which is that uh, are they of same value um yes and no they tended to uh, um uh, operate um for different purposes so the informal feedback that you get uh first of all you need to build a relationship with the, if, if you're in a class of kids look it can happen easily if you're just in the class for one day as a crt you can work out uh, am I engaging these kids? And you can usually tell that, and that's why questioning is so important, or observing and watching how they uh, go about tasks. So that that's sort of informal. But if you're in a, say, if you pick up a contract role as a CRT, or you're there for a year, uh, and you build that relationship with the kids, it's your responsibility clearly to improve the outcomes for those kids. So it's really important that you are, you don't go in there like they used to in the old days I suppose you could say and just have your set curriculum which you're going to deliver regardless of where the kids are so in other words you need to be constantly monitoring the performance of the kids the engagement of the kids and then you adjust 
the next step in the lesson, depending on where they are and where they are, not just as a cohort or a class, but individually as well. So that's really important. And that will make a huge difference to how, um, how much impact you have. So it's, it's sort of like that just-in-time learning situation or that proximal uh, learning development. So your next step for the kids is the one that they're just about ready to take. So you've got to be um, really aware of what's going on with that. As far as working with colleagues, that tends to be, I suppose, what you might call it the semi-formal stage. Uh, you might have uh, a mentor come in or a trusted friend or a colleague that works next door. You might even invite them in and just say, look, I'm working through these issues around, say, uh, fractions or I'm working through this issue on guided reading. Do you want to just come in, have a look at this, see what I do? talk about what you do and and you're just basically reflecting on your own performance and getting a few ideas that similarly might come up at a meeting uh, when you have planned the week's work and you go in and say how to go so oh, my kids didn't really quite get that and they might say well what did you do oh well i did this oh well, what the way that we did it was this way so again that's another performance thing the other more formal structures are when they are, are sort of a there's an appointment, if you like, uh, they'll come in and they'll let you know that they're coming in to have a look. Uh, you might even be mentoring somebody and they're coming in to look at you. They're a little bit more formal and the outcomes there, again, are a little bit uh, different. You might have a written um, uh, process that operates there where the people actually observe you and then give you comments and go in for a, a discussion. So all of the different feedback uh, forms that you, uh, formats that you have access to, are all worthwhile but of course you've got to be open to them you've got to be prepared to make the changes and i might pick up on one of the key points i think so the why is pretty obvious we're looking for that continual improvement the what in other words what what, what you might need to improve can in another way be relatively obvious as well. People can say, or you might even decide yourself, well, that didn't work so well. Or the, the big tricky part that you've really got to focus on, and this is the hard part, is how do you make those changes? So in other words, if you think the kids aren't picking stuff up, this is the informal one, or if someone comes in and observes you and says, look, I didn't feel as though the kids were engaged, I didn't think your questioning was this. The tricky part for teaching to make the improvement is how do you improve? What, do you, what strategies do you have to do? Uh, what strategies do you have to implement to make yourself better? So all different formats are fine. They're all slightly different purpose, but it still gets back to what are the changes you're going to make? Yeah, well covered, Billy. I think the good thing about working with young people is, and you find this particularly, I reckon, in the primary sector too, you get instant feedback working with, with students, uh, which is good because you know immediately how you know, what you're prepared and what you're delivering, how it's working, how it's being received. And it's a, it's a matter sometimes of, you know, uh, thinking on the spot or holding your ground or just keeping that in perspective a little bit. Um, I often valued particularly the feedback I get from colleagues but when I sought it um, because I felt that it was considered and, it, and they'd have a context for it. I'd specifically asked or asked them to come and look at something or was something we'd actually planned together and maybe delivered together. Um, that sort of feedback I thought was invaluable. Um, sometimes you get unexpected feedback and, um, you know, that, that can be challenging to deal with, I guess, if it's not positive and constructive. Um, we, get, we get more resilient, I guess, over time in, in, in relation to uh, dealing with that. You might get that sometimes, at, you know, a parent-teacher night or an, an interaction where you're not, ex you're not expecting it. 
Um, the formal feedback, yeah, look, I agree with you. That can be a little hit and miss depending on the um, process and how open and helpful that it is. Sometimes it's too sanitised, I think, that formal feedback because it's you know, it's part of a performance and development sort of mechanism. So you're right. Um, there's uh, every mechanism under the sun. It's just a matter of uh, utilising it to our advantage, I reckon. Let's give the uh, all the bureaucrats the benefit of the doubt. Some of the systems that they have in place around feedback are well-intentioned, but as Terry said, they tend to be a bit overly formal, a bit sanitised and a bit, uh, I don't know, it's really hard to, um, to find the right message or, um, you know, you, you can... You can easily, as a principal, Terry, you and I would both know this, you can easily upset somebody with the wrong word or two at the wrong time, can't you? Yeah, good point. I mean, just saying, yeah, the direction in terms of, you know, do this, don't do that, that's enough to uh, <laughs> that's enough to ruin some people's day because they're really vested in what it is that they were doing. So, you know, there, there always needs to be a context um, and the pe- person delivering the feedback, because as a teacher, you can be delivering it as well as receiving it. Um you know, you need you need to think about uh, exactly what it is that you're sa- saying them and to what end. Yeah, and sometimes I think, Ian, what you probably need to do uh, if you're looking at your own uh, development is to probably seek out the most uh, effective structures and the most um, useful critical friend that you can uh, that you can approach. So, you know, we all have to go through the annual reviews, and we all, you know, there may be some um, uh, as Terry, you know, I like the sanitised notion of the word. It, you know, it's sort of done in a way that it, it can be useful, but quite often it's not very useful. Uh, however, I think if you're working in, in a team and you do trust each other and uh, quite often, you know, for example, I might even have um, spoken to the whole group of kids, the whole cohort about a, a maybe a behavioural issue or a, maybe a what we're expecting issue or whatever. And the very first thing I'll say as soon as the um, the kids go, I'll turn to the person I trust most, say it might be Terry, and I say, how do you think that went? And they'll sort of say, well, no, that was good. I thought the kids really, I thought what well, we probably need to follow up on this. So they'll pick out the point I might have missed. But largely, and I still do that now when I'm delivering training, if I'm working with someone, as soon as we get a break, I'll turn to someone and say, how did that go? You know, and I think that that's what you've got to do. You've got to keep, because you, you, you're monitoring yourself to a degree, but you're never quite sure because you're sort of caught up in the moment. And, and asking someone around you, how did that go? What do I need to do next? How did, what did I miss is really important. It's important as well, I think, to separate you as a person out from uh, you as a professional as well. I think um, when you're taking feedback, you're taking the feedback in a professional capacity it's not necessarily a reflection of who you are as a person even though uh you know those um, lines are very blurred with teaching uh, because you give so much of yourself but i think you know to have really constructive and effective feedback and to take it on board you have to take that as a professional um and try to not let your automatic emotions get in the way um and i think providing some context and planning your um, professional learning journey is crucial in this because you can get on the front foot and you can present to people who are going to appraise you or give you feedback 
and provide exactly what you want feedback on and um, perhaps even how you'd like to be given that feedback. Uh, but you need to know that before you enter into that conversation. Um, and it, this is difficult in the experience of a relief teacher, isn't it? Because relief teachers do get feedback. Um, we talked a little bit in a, the other webinar about sometimes that they might be invisible as well. How do you go about the experience as a relief teacher getting or um, finding out feedback when perhaps you, you do feel invisible sometimes? Yeah, I reckon it's really tricky for relief teachers, particularly with negative feedback, because sometimes Billy and I are working with teachers after the event, and the first thing that they might know is if they get a call from a Tradewind consultant uh, about something that happened at the school. And, um, you know, their context for what occurred was completely different, but because they're not there physically, they weren't able to, um, you know, put their side of the story, if you like, putting it simplistically or put things in context in terms of, you know, how they saw it. Um, and I think that, that, creates, uh, that creates some issues for teachers because I think if you're a member of staff, then it's, it's a different context because you are there um, and you can you can hear something personally, or, you know, or we can get it face to face. Whereas if you're getting it through a consultant, a trade win, and then Billy or I are sort of working through issues with people, um, I think it's more challenging because you're once or twice removed. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really, I mean, I quite um, enjoy is not the right word, but I do, um, how, how, how can I explain this? Meeting with teachers who've had difficult uh, feedback from schools. I don't mind doing it because I, I, I guess Terry and I take the point of view that we're there to be as constructive and, and helpful as we can because we do understand that when you're not on staff, uh, quite often you'll get, you might even be the brunt of feedback that the principal or the daily organiser or the uh, head of department might not even deliver in the same way to a staff member because they've got to all front up the next day and they've got to keep the relationship going. So sometimes it's a little bit easier to ring up uh, Trade Wind and give them a serve and give them the school side of the story and then, you know, you have to cop that. But I suppose what Terry and I um, like to do is just to listen and, and to let people, you know, explain the situation in their own words in their own terms. And usually what I've found, if there is any, and I try to get away from the word blame, it's usually misunderstanding. If there's any sort of misunderstanding or misinterpretation or different... You know, the CRT usually, in my uh, experience, almost 100% really, does take on board what happened and says, well, I probably could have done something in a different way, but at the time I did this. And and I think that that's, um, that's quite often legitimate. But again, that's slightly different, again, Terry uh, and Ian, from, um, you know, improving your performances feedback. Quite often those things are, you know, around student behaviour or a parent or something, or an incident, if you like. But that's quite different, again, to improving your teaching performance. Uh, and I, I think that's why, you know, one of the things I think with CRT work that makes it so difficult is that you don't have those colleagues who are there to support you and perhaps to debrief with at the end of the day. Yeah, and that becomes a key part of the role you and I play with people, Billy, even though it's once removed, and that is just the opportunity for them to debrief because they haven't had that perhaps prior to getting the feedback uh, from the school. And I think we're there in a non-judgmental way just to offer support and give them the opportunity to um, talk things through. Because just, you know, for, for those people who haven't worked, you might we might have some graduates tuning in this afternoon or, um, you know, others. You know, if you're not 
uh, at the end of the day, sometimes you might go in and say, oh God, that was a shot. I had a terrible day today. And just being able to express that to somebody and then they might pick it apart a little bit for you and, and you might, and they might, if they're an older uh, or more experienced person, they might be saying, well, look, tomorrow, why don't you just do this? Or I might pop in and give you a hand with this. Or why don't we do this together tomorrow? And it just shares that load uh, and it gives you a bit of a, all right, yeah, I could try it this way. I haven't done it that way before. What I did today didn't work. Um, but of course, as a CRT, that's really difficult to do that. And, uh, you know, if you're there for contracts or you're there for the week, that you might be able to get some of that assistance. But it's quite often quite difficult to do. But nonetheless, you still, you know, you've gone through the same experience and sometimes you want someone to talk to um, that can help you out, which is one of the things that Terry and I do while we're there. Yeah, and the reality is if you've had a class that's been particularly difficult with some really challenging kids in, well, guess what? You know, that's not the first time those kids have been challenging and probably most of the people uh, working with them at the school will also find them challenging, but they've got the opportunity perhaps to uh, debrief together about it and to strategize, which as a CRT, um, you know, you've, you're only doing with you or, you or myself once removed. I think the other point about feedback, um, Ian, and Terry is, I think one of the things that you need to do um, is to work out as quick as you can, but it's, again, it's an ongoing process. Uh, what are the things that you are particularly good at? What are the things that you like, but you may not be quite as good at as you want to be and you want to spend some time? And then there are some other things in teaching that are, you may never really embrace or even cultural sorts of issues that you may never embrace uh, and that's they're not they're, they don't appeal to you so therefore when you're choosing schools or um, you know just where, how you're going to run your career you avoid them so for example the school I taught at not we didn't demand it but we had a uh, the kids were well behaved but there was a casual friendly atmosphere to it and the majority of the staff members were known by their uh, Christian name to the students I don't expect that every school or every teacher would want to do that but for me, that suited me from when I was a young teacher through to when I was a co-principal role. And I I didn't want to work in a really formal school where there was a big gap between what staff did and the way that they talked to uh, spoke to the kids. So I learnt those things. Now, some people may have been critical of my approach that uh, it was a bit too casual, a bit too friendly. It was a bit... That's totally fine. It was great to get that feedback. But I decided at that point that I didn't... That wasn't going to be me. I didn't want that style... No amount of, amount of feedback was going to convince me that that was a better way. So I think feedback's also, you've got to, you you know, take the feedback, assess it. How does that fit in with what I really think about things? What am I going to do? And I, I'm sure, Terry, in a lot of ways, it'd be the same with you. I could imagine that where you worked in a lot of the schools, you it wouldn't have been an overly formal, uh, uh, you know, stiff sort of uh, culture that you would have uh, implemented at a school. Yeah, look, absolutely. They're, they're good examples, I think, that you've given, Billy. Um, and I just used to find the most useful thing to do was to, to actually listen to what it was that people were saying, then to consider that, and then um, make your own judgment and like a, and move on. Um, and I tried not to let it impact in any way um, in, in terms of the way I was working with people, regardless of whether I was a teacher or a principal. I'll give you an example in my early career. Uh, some of the more experienced teachers uh, said, um, would do things like, they'd say to me, oh, if someone does something, keep the whole grade in. 
right? Mm. Or, um, you know, uh, make them all do this or whatever. And I, I, I never took that on board. I, I, I did what Terry said, I assessed it, I listened to it. No, that's not for me. I don't think that uh, the very well-behaved, diligent, uh, young, quiet girl who's sitting there and doing her work all day has never done anything wrong should be kept in because um, uh, the naughty boy, you know, uh, threw the ball out the window and told me to go and whatever. Why should she stay inside? That's ridiculous. So I never took those. That, that was a feedback of a kind. It was about the way that they thought that classroom management should work. I didn't agree with that. I took it on board and decided I didn't want to work in those sorts of cultures. And I never did that comes back to setting those boundaries doesn't it knowing exactly what you want what your expectations are and if if it doesn't have that backdrop if if feedback is use, useless if there's nothing to push back against uh feedback should be that almost a negotiation or a you know uh robert's just asked a question here about um he's previously dealt with a person who has provided feedback with a lack of clarity uh how do you get people to provide detail and suggestions and how do you tell them that you want the detail i think that's uh, yeah, um, jump in on that one yeah go for it really simply um robert was it yes many of us understand why for example we or um have a we want to be fitter we want a, a certain fitness level because it's good for us and we want to feel well and whatever so we may not know what that entails okay that's fine so we might go and find out some of us so know why we want to be fit and we know what that entails. But the tricky bit for most of us, and the only way you get behavior change, is if you get, if you explain to people how to do it, okay? So you might think, I need to do a thousand, uh, whatever, 10,000 steps a day, but I'm time poor, I'm uh, teaching, I've got a family, I've got all these things. How am I gonna do that? Well, the how might be, you park the car three or four k's from the train station or whatever it is that you, you know, wherever you're going to go or you park your car further away or you get up earlier or you walk the dot. You've got to find a method for doing it. Now, that's the same if you get, um, uh, you know, um, feedback in teaching. If they say something to you already about, let's say, um, questioning, you need to improve your questioning. What you really need to be digging down there uh, is how would you expect that I do that? Have you got any ideas on what I could look at? What sort of questioning should I be looking towards? What sort of examples could I use? So you've actually got to dig down. It's no use, well, it's okay to say someone you, your questioning needs to improve or your classroom management. Need. The next question is how? What does that look like? How, what's the actual application? What do I actually have to do to get that progress? Because we can all come up with, um, if you like, uh, you need to be fitter or you need to eat better or you need to, that's great. How do I do it? Yeah, look, I think that, yeah, um, I, I really like those guidelines. Even when I was a principal, Billy, I used to say to my assistant principals when I was brave, you know, give me some feedback about this. And, and then they'd say, oh, yeah, that was good. And I'd say, no, you know, tell me, you know, what do I do? What do I need to do more of? What do I need to do less of? What am I not doing at all? 
and you know just be gentle if you want to keep working here but uh yeah i, I mean i think you need you need to sort of lead by example in that area but the more specific you are the more things that will come out of it that are actually going to help your performance yeah so robert if you've got, if that helps but if not jump back on and ask ian but that's that's what i'd be saying you know if ian said to us at the end of the day look that went okay boys but what we need to do is to um uh, don't speak over the top of each other and then I would say, well, how are we going to do that? Do we use our finger? Or do we nod? Do I use someone's name or, or whatever it is? We need some structure and we need some direction about improvement. And I, I think Robert's question is fantastic. It's the crux of improvement. It's okay to be said, oh, you need to be um, more collaborative as a team member or, or this team needs to um, work better together or uh, you need to set goals better for the kids. Well, the, the question, yeah, good. Okay, that's great. How do I do that? And that's the, and if the people who are giving you the feedback aren't able to give you the how, then I'd be saying, well, well let's work on this together a bit because I'm not really understanding what you're telling me. Yeah, and I think also um, what underlines all of the feedback in the professional realm is how does it impact upon student outcome? Uh, that is the baseline question. That's why you're trying to become a better teacher is um, how will this action improve student outcome? And I think um, that also puts the students at the center of your personal feedback, which also I think helps um, the, in the process as well. Um, Manakshi's asked a really good question here as well. Uh, and this is a really good question because it definitely hits to the heart of the experience of a relief teacher and I can certainly give um, some inside information on this as well um, but she says sometimes it, instead of giving constructive feedback for minor issues so teachers can improve their performance relief teachers are often re requested not to come back to a school uh, whereas regular staff would be supported through those same issues uh, this can be demoralizing um, can consultants do something about this issue I think that's a really really good question isn't it that um, sometimes relief teachers do bear the brunt of um, so when something goes wrong or the day doesn't go as planned uh, Tradewind get a call and they say can you not send that teacher back and I, I'll give people a bit of insight into the history of, of this issue um, that often teachers will, um, schools will call, say, we don't want that teacher back. And the consultant would say, that's fine. And that would be the end of it. The teacher would be blocked from going back to that school and that would be the end of it. But um, I think that is such a unsatisfactory um, issue uh, if, if you just allow that person not to get any of that feedback from the school so what we've done in Tradewind in the last uh, few years is we've used the Australian teaching standards to ask the schools to say I know you've asked that the, for this person not to return but can you give us some specifics uh, so that we can give constructive feedback now that doesn't always happen uh, with schools um, but certainly the schools were working with trying to coach them on this issue so that we can give you some constructive feedback if you get that call uh, from a consultant which advises you that you can't go back to a school uh, or the school wouldn't like you to come back. Um, Terry, what, what can teachers do if they do receive that uh, phone call um, that tells them that they can't go back to a school? Yeah, I think that's where Billy and I can... Uh you know, come in and be and be real useful in terms of the way we we work with people. It's because um, 
I think this is one of the big challenges for CRTs and um, I don't have any trouble empathising with them in relation to this because often they don't specifically know why. You know, the news is we don't want you back, but they're not always clear on what it was that went wrong or they didn't do. You know, they'll hear from the consultant that the students didn't complete the set work or that they weren't properly supervised or... Um, and I think talking it through with Billy or myself gives them an opportunity to debrief and from their perspective explain exactly what it was that happened. Then we might have some strategies or ideas because hopefully they're going to keep working. They might not be working at that school, but they'll be working a whole range of other schools. And we can look at, okay, well, if that situation arose again, would you handle it any differently? Um, you know, What are the takeaways? What were the learnings from that? Um, and it's not so much a, a matter of, you know, who's right and who's wrong, but um, is there anything that we can do to, to um, you know, vary our approach or improve our performance in the future? Or was it a communication breakdown or a misunderstanding? If it was, how do we avoid that in the future? Is there anything we could have said at the end of the day or anything that we could have left for the school that would have better explained our side of the story? rather than find out, you know, later from a consultant that that school doesn't want me back. But, so uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really challenging one for CRTs. Yeah, I agree. And without uh, wanting to get schools off the hook, uh, one of the reasons it happens, Ian, uh, look, the very best schools probably either won't do it or they'll avail themselves to trade in and even to tear... I, I've had conversations with schools and sorted issues out. Um, but, you know, not letting schools off the hook. But sometimes schools, Terry, are just in that position where they are, uh, they wouldn't do it to their own staff members, as we said before, because that is an ongoing relationship that they're going to have to sort out. Terry and I, uh, in our career, uh, would love to have um, rung a few staff members and said, do you mind not coming back tomorrow? Don't come back. <laughs> Don't come Monday, Billy. Don't come Monday. <laughs> but we never had that luxury. And, and anyway, to be perfectly honest, we, you shouldn't do it that way. But sometimes in schools what will happen, and I'm not defending them, but they are at the end of their tether, and the easiest thing to do, if the, particularly if they get a complaining staff member or a complaining parent, the easy get out for them sometimes is I'll ring Thraywin and tell them we don't want them back. Now, that's not, I don't think anyone would really see, it'd be, I don't think many principals would argue that's the greatest approach, but sometimes they just haven't got the energy to deal with it the way they might otherwise. Time schools just take the easy way out, Billy. They're dealing with 40 other really important things on the day. And the easiest thing to do with that CRT is say, oh, we don't want that person back, you know. Whereas with a member of staff there, then, then you work it through and you, and you work at trying to improve the performance. And I, I think it's difficult for the CRTs to hear that um, because in many cases when I'm working with CRTs, they believe that there is another side to the story or it's come as a surprise. Yeah, look, sometimes they're aware there's been an incident and that they could have handled it better and the outcome was the school didn't want them back. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but I think that um, really helpful for people to work these things through with you and I and debrief, strategize, um, and you know try and tease out what the learnings are. Yeah, I think that's a that, that's probably the really key point Ian, that some t- look in an ideal world we schools wouldn't do that to TRTs, so they would be more supportive, more let's have a chat about it, let's sort this out. That said, your role as a CRT is ongoing and you're going to have to pick yourself up very quickly and get back into it, if not um, that 
for that next day, certainly probably by the next week or the next month. So somehow you've got to develop the attitude that, um, all right, that didn't work out. It was a misunderstanding. I haven't really been dealt with very fairly there, but that's the nature of the job. I've got to put that behind me and move on. And to do that, I think that's where you would speak to your consultant and to speak to Terry or myself, because that might help you move on. The thing is, yeah, you, you haven't got much of an opportunity to go back to the school and sort it out. The best of the schools might manage that, but quite often they won't. So you're in a sort of no-win situation. So the best thing to think, all right, that didn't work. What can I learn? I'm still upset by it, but I'm not going to get any justice here. I probably need to go and have a chat to the consultant, to Billy or Terry, and to get this sorted out, at least with Tradewind, and then move on. I think that's probably the best you can hope for because sometimes schools are just in a situation where they are, they're exhausted themselves and there's just, they just can't cope with it anymore and they just, that's the easy out. I think it's important for relief teachers to know as well um, that our approach at Tradewind is very much to, um, you know, if we do get negative feedback uh, about one of our teachers is that we try and open that dialogue with the school and and open the door to, um, you know, that teacher going back to the school, um, you know, on the basis that they might be able to improve on their practice um, and, you know, we can have that conversation and so on. So, there is um, a dialogue that's happening behind the scenes as well. I think that's important for relief teachers to know that um, we do advocate for them, um, that we do want to offer as much support as we can, you know, obviously through these sessions, but also day to day on the, on the phone and also uh, have access to Karanish, which is the free counseling service as well, which is on the emails sent automatically sent out by Zoom if anyone wants to access that. I think using um, all of that ability to converse with consultants when you're in schools as well, I think um, people are much more accepting of uh, some shortcomings or failures in people. If um, you've done the things that we've spoken about in previous sessions, which is turn up on time, present well, um, be amenable, personable, um, then you probably build up a bit of credibility to allow yourself one or two mistakes as well. And with that, and, and this goes to back to um, the health and, welfare, uh, health and well-being of our CRTs, um, if you find that you, and you know, this would happen perhaps in terms two or three when you've been really busy and it's cold and you've done a lot of travel in a lot of different um, schools. If you're finding that you're starting to tire, uh, it might be best to have a day off rather than push yourself into that fifth day where you do have a blue with one of the kids and you lose your temper. We've all, look, we've all done it. I mean, I mean, that teaching is a very emotional, difficult business. And, you know, I, as sometimes as a principal or in that role, or even as a teacher, you've turned up and you've just about had enough for a bit. And you actually learn after a while, uh, I probably would have been better not coming today because now I've just gone and created uh, a, a week's work that I didn't really need. So if you, because you've, you've yelled at someone or you've said something you shouldn't have said and you have to correct all of that. And you think, well, you know, as a CRT, it's a hard job. Acknowledge that. And when you're feeling like you're a bit exhausted, maybe say, look, I think I'll just, 
I think I'll finish. I think I'll finish up on Thursday. I don't think I'll work Friday. I'll see how I'm going Monday, but I need a bit of a break. I think sometimes you can push yourself too hard in the job, Terry, and, and cause problems that don't need to be caused. Oh, we see it with our teachers too, Billy. So I think you and I have had a lot of experience with that. Um, and for teachers, of course, um, you know they've got to come on the Friday. But certainly in a secondary school, the Friday is the most challenging day. That's the day where we would get most uh, CRTs in. Uh, because yeah, it's terms two and three in particular, more staff are sort of flagging on those days or send to organised professional learning uh, on the Friday. Um, so, you know, CRTs need, I think, to be aware of that, that uh, working a Friday in a secondary school is sometimes like working two Tuesdays. So just, uh, you know, bear, bear that in mind. And uh, it's good to be smart after the event, but your advice is spot on. And I think... Um, you know, you should be pulling the pin early and not, not working the day rather than having a shocker and then carrying that through to the following week and having to do all the sort of, you know, the repair work and, and whatever and ruining your weekend. Because uh, I think it's important just to recognise that we will have difficult days. Not every day is going to go well. Um, you reflect on it, you draw a line in the sand and, and you move on. But I think you, uh, from experience, what you learn is you try and limit the damage on those difficult days. And for a CRT, sometimes that just means not working. The, the, the risk, unfortunately, Ian, for a CRT is big. I mean, as Terry and I have said a few times, if it's a staff member and they have a bad day, we sort of accommodate it and think, well, look, 90% of the time they're actually really good. They're tired. Something happens at home. We can accommodate that. And, you know, we might even change their load or just keep an eye on them for a while. But as a CRT, you can build up a whole lot of... Um, really good useful experiences and your reputation but you go in on the wrong day you cop the wrong kid with the wrong parent and the wrong situation and you can blow all your good work in one day so you might think well yeah that's unfair and it is unfair but that's the that's the sort of situation you're in as a crt so if you are exhausted uh or you're just finding that things are building up and you just think you know i haven't got much support here i you've got to learn to support yourself and have a bit of a break and that again is that sort of reflective thing on where i'm at in my career uh, what do I want to achieve out of this? Um, and don't push yourself past those limits where you know that you're not going in. If you're going in dreading that first lesson, you probably shouldn't be there. Yeah, I think that's um, exactly right. It's also important for people to, um, yeah, be easy on themselves in the respect that if you're going to lots of different schools, chances are one of them might not want you back because you might not be a good fit or uh, for whatever reason, it's not necessarily a, a reflection on your ability as a, as a teacher. Um, if you start getting um, a lot of schools saying that they don't want you back, then that is, um, you know, where Billy and Terry can certainly help out as well, because that there, that's probably something a bit more, um, you know, fundamental to, to your teaching practice that you might need um, feedback on. Um, Josh has asked, asked a good question um, about if you're booked in advance as a relief teacher um, but needed a rest, as, as we have mentioned, would the school see that as a negative um, and potentially not call you back and get someone else to take your spot? Uh, uh, Josh, I would say if you've um, had, you know, unless it's an emergency, if you're booked in advance, generally stick to that plan um, because a school is booking you for continuity um, and by pulling yourself out then you destroy that continuity so um, unless it's something you know really urgent that you need to but 
kind of plan if you pre-plan um your breaks that's a, a smart thing to do and also um as terry said you know mondays and fridays are the busiest days traditionally for relief teachers um to be called upon so don't take monday or friday off take a wednesday off um take a day off in the middle of the week uh, when it's going to be less um demand for crts but certainly if you accept a pre-booking generally it's it's goodwill to to stick to that pre-booking but that's a a very a good question so thank you for that josh if anybody does have any more questions please uh we are coming to the end of the webinar but please do ask in the q a or uh give your uh comments of your personal experience in the chat um just to round up uh this webinar it's been fascinating um this whole idea of um feedback and that continuous loop of professional development uh that we we all should be on um in terms of um feedback from students that's coming at you thick and fast generally but is that something that we should maybe talk with some students about maybe about what they enjoy what they like about who they think you what they think you should improve on is that of have you ever done that and it has that been of value you go first on that one i'm not a fan of it um because um i came from the primary sector and i think questions like that can be uh confronting for the kids and unless you are Look, giving feedback to people is not a simple thing to do. And you, we all need a little bit of training, even, you know, like Terry and I have probably done it for a long period of time, but I wouldn't say I'm very good at it. And I'd probably need to do more training to be specific about it. That said, pushing that aside, I think the best thing you can do in uh, the primary sector is observe and listen, because kids will give you, ex their feedback will be uh, right on the money right but if you put them on the spot by asking them, do you think i'm a good teacher or some daggy question like that uh you're not going to get the but they will tell you by their engagement their enthusiasm kids that age their fun and their laughter and their learning and their commitment to their task if those things are going well then clearly they're enjoying that time their parents might say something to you like oh he loves coming to school or whatever if you've got lots of um kids disengaged, parents unsure, poor behavior, lack of enthusiasm for the task, then I think that's time to reflect on what's going on. Now, it may not be you. Uh, it may be a whole range of factors. But I think, and this is different, I think, probably to secondary, but I think in primary, asking the kids the question is less useful than observing and listening to what they're doing and that will be the that that's the best feedback if they're engaged and they're learning and they're happy then you're doing something right yeah look that's good advice billy i think even in secondary uh, i know the kids in theory are more mature but as kent just pointed out in one of his comments they can be more brutal too i think that you're better to um you're better to tease it out and things like the student attitudes the school survey it, it all sort of comes out in that anyway um rather than you know, to, to personalise it because um, unwittingly teachers can, can become a target. I, I like your approach because I think it's much more subtle and effective anyway. And then I think good teachers uh, have got the eyes and ears 24-7 to, to pick it up from the vibe, what's working well, what's going on, uh, you know, in the classroom. And I remember when we had um, Belinda Nacostigon from St Helena last term 
in the after school webinar and she talked about, you know, sometimes giving kids cards out at the end of the lesson just to look at things that um, had worked well in the class and things that, you know, could have gone better and whatever. I mean, she's a master teacher um, anyway, but it's interesting to see what, you know, what what the best people do. But um, I, I think also a lot of a lot of teachers in the secondary area um, also need to be protected from sort of personalised feedback because that can be quite damaging. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I um, It was a slightly prov- provocative question because I, I know what a minefield it is when you're asking young people to reflect on uh, something, as you say, which requires a lot of professionalism and, and uh, practice. Uh, and as Kent has pointed out, it can be, uh, it cannot go well. I think it's, it's pretty... I was just going to say, I was just going to say, Billy, that a really good um, way to reframe it is not about you as a teacher, but what type of tasks do you like to do? And then maybe reflect on, do I provide the students with the tasks that they enjoy, that they like, that they're engaged in and so on? Sorry. We've worked together too long because that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Excellent. And not only that, I, I think, uh, look, this just could be old white man me, I don't know, but I think culturally Australians... And I know we've got a diverse sort of culture, but I think that really personal you, me thing is not a great, I still don't think whatever sort of background you come from in Australia, it's it's not a, we're not that expansive on those personal issues and that direct uh, discussion. It's not something that we do easily. Uh, even as Terry and I said right at the start, that sort of formal sanitized principle having the chat with the team, that never go, it's never been great. I think, um, I think we need it much more sort of informal third person. And as I said, and as Terry said, if you're a good teacher and you can pick up on what's the mood in this classroom, what's the mood with these kids, what's their approach to these tasks, you can tell whether you're connecting with them or not. Uh, So there's lots of cues there. Pick up on those rather than, um, do you like me? You know, I I think uh, it's creepy. (laughs) <laughs> yes, correct. Um, Mary's just made a really good point as well, just regarding the the wider feedback. Um, just um, you know, so it's really good to have a um, a really good relationship with your consultants in these respects. Because if you have a bad day, you might be in the car on the way home thinking, "I wouldn't be surprised if that school doesn't want me back." In which case, don't sit on it. Give your consultants a call. Tell them uh, what happened. Um, get on the front foot. Um, they'll talk to the school. Uh, and it's also a relief when these things are dealt with because sometimes, you know, as teachers, we, we do let things hang over us uh, sometimes or we do take the emotion of work home with us. Uh, it's always nice even uh, just to get an issue resolved or draw a line under it. Um, and so that's a really... Um, important points i think mary's made that you know you do need it dealt yeah, with I, it is yeah i i agree and also i think it, you can be proactive if it's the school you really enjoy working at ian and you want to go back there then um you know i might say something to somebody at the school before i left in terms of look uh that last class i took didn't go particularly well and this is why so that then if the daily organizer does get some negative feedback they can sort of say yeah look I already I know the teacher's been to see me and this is what they were dealing with or this is what occurred so they've actually um you know got a context um 
from you as well, which is important. Absolutely. And the primary school, if you've been to a school a few times and largely it's been good, you have a bad day, I'd be proactive at the end of the day. Don't just think, oh, that was bad and get <laughs> Go and seek out a colleague or go into the office and say, oh, look, uh, I've been here a few times. I've loved being here, but I didn't have the best of day. I was just wondering, could we have a quick chat or just, you know, at some point you've got to reach out and trust people. And most people in schools are good. You'll get the odd uh, whacker, but most people in schools are good. And if you've not had a good day, um, yeah, I think it's it's best to sort those things out because we do carry those things around with us for a long time. Well, look, if you've never been to the school before and, you know, no one takes any notice of it, even when you're standing around the office, you might think, oh, well, okay, I'm just going to have to go home and hopefully that won't happen. But if you know a few of the people there, you might say, oh, gee, I had a bit of a tough day today. I don't think this went so well. Um, you know, that's the professional thing to do and it's a useful thing to do. And just um, to also put a bit of a silver lining on a on a negative feedback phone call, if you make notes and you record it and you reflect on that uh, feedback, you can record it towards your VIT hours. So it's uh, it's a little silver lining if, uh, if things don't go so well. But, you know, I think we, we are human. We do make mistakes. We do have bad days. Uh, but it's not really, that's not the judgment. The judgment is how do you learn from it? How do you reflect on it? How do you move forward? How do you become a better teacher? How do you better improve student outcome? And that is the essence, really, what it all boils down to. Um, have any um, any parting words, Billy or Terry, for any further advice just to underline uh, this session? Look, I just think that we should all um, try to get try to be as good as we possibly can and get better and better. And I think what Terry and I have said today, right from the start when we started talking about graduates, when we first walked in um, <laughs> to our first classes, we didn't really know what was going on. So to a degree, I think we've all got better. And that's, I think, the attitude you've got to take. You've got to try to get better all the time. And you can only get better by having a go at stuff, reflecting on how it went and trying to improve. And uh, as I said before, you know, go for the hows. What am I supposed to do to make this better? Not just knowing what, you know, I've got to get better, but how do I do that? Yeah, I think um, resilience is a key and keeping it in perspective and a bit of humour, I think, um, the ability to laugh at yourself and, um, you know, whatever the, you know, like, honestly, there's so much drama that happens in school. Um, we can make a living, you know, writing about it. But I know even as a principal, every shocking meeting I had as a principal, I'd walk out with the assistant principals, we'd close the door and I'd just say to them, that seemed to go really well, didn't it? And then they'd, <laughs> they'd laugh and we'd just get on with it, you know. <laughs> yeah i think that's a really nice note to end on um thank you billy and terry thank you all for joining us uh it's an absolute pleasure and the feedback uh is fantastic uh you can tick off on your atoll standards um working in a network of teachers um you're doing a great job thanks gentlemen thanks Ian. thanks billy thanks everyone yeah. cheers bye, bye. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Relief Teachers podcast brought to you by Tradewind Australia. Please do share this podcast with anybody who you think might find it useful and do refer to the show notes to record it as part of your professional development hours. If you need any help or support as a relief teacher, please get in touch with us at Tradewind through our website or call us on one 800 192 
1-800-555-195. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time for another episode of Australia's leading relief teaching podcast.